It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. God refers to his people in Psalm 29 as the mighty. And I'm sure that's probably not the way you view yourself, but you and I need to learn how to see ourselves as God sees us, to view ourselves from his perspective, and then boldly say, I am what God says I am, and I am who God says I am. Now, I'm sure you've noticed on the screen representing this presentation today, I have an ant. And why did I choose an insect to represent what it is to be the mighty? Because the ant has an incredible ability to lift much more than its body weight. In fact, I've read accounts online of different estimates, maybe 10 to 50 times its body weight. But a certain group called entomologytoday.org is the uh, website you can check it out at. They have dissected ants and come to the conclusion that an ant could potentially actually lift 5,000 times its body weight. Can you imagine that? Compare it to yourself. I, I did some calculations on my phone a few minutes ago and put my weight in, which is about 160 pounds, and multiplied that by 5,000, and it came up 800,000 pounds. That's 400 tons. And then I thought, well, I'll compare that to the weight of an elephant. And I found out a mature, large element, elephant usually weighs about 15,000 pounds. So if I could lift as much as an ant can potentially lift, I could hold up 53 elephants. That's 25 with this hand, 25 with this hand, and then three at the top. <sighs> no way. Come on, you sissies that are bench pressing 300 pounds. Come on, measure up to the ant. The Titanic weighed 52,000 tons. And that's about, what, one-eighth of what an ant could lift compared to its body weight, its body size. If God can make an insect that has that kind of potential strength naturally, then I guarantee you God can make sons and daughters of God who have an incredible amount of strength spiritually compared to other human beings who are not in a covenant relationship with God. So that's the basis of what I'm going to talk about, our calling to be the mighty, but this is something God's going to stir in us that is a potential only resident in those who have been born again, only resident in those who are in a covenant relationship with God. Now let's go to the scripture. Psalm 29 verse 1 says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. 
Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And maybe the two thoughts are tied together because some of the mightiest people in this world are those who can actually live a life of holiness. And this scripture encourages us to give the glory back to God because it's not our might, it's his might in us. Now, what is the definition of the word mighty? To be mighty means to be very powerful, to be remarkably strong, to be of a commanding authority, and to be given to exploits. Once again, you may say, well, that doesn't describe me. I I do well just to get to my job every day and pay the bills and take care of my kids and take out the trash when necessary. But see, that doesn't mean every moment of your life exhibiting some kind of extraordinary strength. It just means there's a reservoir in you of this strength that can manifest at choice times. And besides, you're going to find out that by virtue of the fact that you have conquered the arch enemies of the human race through God's intervention in your life makes you far mightier than you envision yourself to be. You have conquered the curse of separation from God, the curse of sin, the curse of the law. You have conquered the lower nature. You have conquered the deadness of your spirit that was dead in trespasses and sins. You have conquered a destiny that would have unfolded into eternal destruction. The things that no human beings can conquer on their own, you have conquered through the intervention of God in your life. So you really do qualify to be the mighty. But give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. In other words, send back the credit for that strength right back to the source of that strength, which is God Almighty. In fact, that only makes sense, doesn't it? If you and I are sons of the mighty, and that name for us is given to us in Psalm 89, then we have a kind of spiritual DNA that's been transferred to us. Sons of the mighty can say the Almighty is our Father, our Father. And thank God his seed is in us. And that contains a spiritual, a supernatural kind of DNA. The word Almighty means all-powerful and all-sufficient. And you're connected to him in a covenant relationship. And he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I love the fact that the Bible says God is mighty in strength in Job 9.4. He is mighty in battle. That's Psalm 24.8. He is mighty in works. That's Jeremiah 32.19. And he is mighty to save. That's Isaiah 63.1. Now, any one of those descriptions of God, I could preach on for an hour. Mighty in works, I've seen amazing works. I've seen seven blinded eyes opened in one week's time in a revival I held years ago. I've seen those that could not even walk run around the church after God touched their bodies. I've seen heroin addicts delivered and never even go through withdrawal symptoms. My God is mighty in works. 
But see, you need to understand something. God loves to do mighty works, but normally he doesn't do anything in this world except he does it in and through his people. And so he funnels that mighty work through you if you dare to offer yourself as a yielded vessel. Praise God. I want to show you how God empathizes with his people, how God feels when you have attacks on your life. You may feel vulnerable. You may feel weak. You may feel easily overcome and overwhelmed. But listen to what Psalm 89 verses 50 and 51 says, and this is a messianic psalm. And so I believe it can be taken as representative of something the Messiah would say in the behalf of his people. Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, how I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people, wherewith thine enemies have reproached, O Lord, wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed. In other words, the Messiah is saying, I bear in my bosom the reproach of my people. You can find that evidenced also in Isaiah 53, where he talked about the reproaches falling on him on the cross, the very reproaches that have been in our life. Now, what does that mean, a reproach? It means brought to shame, ridiculed, made to look foolish, made to look idiotic. See, the world reproaches you. Satanic powers want to bring reproach in your life. They want to somehow prove that God cannot do for you what he said he would do for you and bring him to reproach and you to reproach. But Jesus bears all of that in his bosom and he intercedes for his mighty people that the mightiness of God would be funneled into your life and give you power over all the power of the enemy. Now, let me show you a title that rested upon Jesus, one that we quote quite often, and I love it. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I want you to notice that two of those titles kind of fit together like puzzle parts. He's the Wonderful Counselor. And connect the two. The Wonderful Counselor. You have a lot of counselors in your life that counsel you how to deal with your issues. And some of the advice may be good. Some of it may not be so good. But he's the Wonderful Counselor. Then it follows up with the title, The Mighty God. Let me take you to two titles that rest upon the Holy Spirit now. In Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2, this is actually talking about the Holy Spirit resting upon the Messiah in certain manifestations. And it says, a messianic prophecy, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse was David's father. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Listen now, 
The next phrase is the spirit of counsel and of might. The wonderful counselor and mighty God, those are two titles that rest upon Jesus. The spirit of counsel and the spirit of might are two titles that rest upon the Holy Spirit. So this leads me to believe that Jesus, your Savior, and the Holy Spirit within you counsel you what to do in life if you've got an ear to hear. But then they don't just give you the counsel. People tell you what to do, but they can't give you the power to do it. God is much different. He counsels you what to do. The spirit of counsel quickens within your heart what you should do. But then the spirit of might empowers you to do that so that you rise above what a normal human being can achieve. I've read many stories about people affected by that chemical in our blood called adrenaline, where in a moment of great stress, they're able to do superhuman things. I read years ago, and it was a validated account of a young teenage boy whose father was working underneath a car in his garage, and the jack collapsed, and the car fell on him and pinned his chest, and he was pinned to the concrete beneath him, couldn't breathe. The boy screamed for his mother. She came running to see what was going on, and that teenage boy grabbed the bumper of the car and lifted it up, and his mother dragged her husband out to safety. The newspaper people came after it was all over and asked him to repeat it, and he couldn't do it. The boy could not lift up the car because this strange chemical called adrenaline shot into his system, and for a few fleeting moments, he could do what no normal human being could do ordinarily. I believe the spirit of might, the Holy Spirit, is like a spiritual kind of adrenaline, and you can rise above trials that would cause others to completely collapse mentally and emotionally because you are the mighty. And that's what God said. Now, this is a very strange scripture. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 3. God said, I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. So does that mean you're supposed to be a vessel of the anger of God? No, no, I don't believe that's what God is saying. God wants you to be a vessel of love toward the fallen people of this human race, toward those who are challenged with everything in life and desperately need someone to show them the way out. God wants you to be an expression of his love to them. Well, what does this mean when God said he called his mighty ones for his anger? I believe God's angry at certain things that are happening in this world. I believe God is angry about the abortion holocaust. God will forgive those who have participated in something like that if they truly repent. But God is very angry about snuffing out the, the life of children in the womb. How horrible is that? God is very angry about some of the other things that are happening in this world. And I believe he uses his people to bring a solution to the problems that make him angry. And that's why he said he's called his mighty ones for his anger. And there's been some people 
of God who are standing for what is right. And now we have some things happening in the upper levels of our government where it looks like Roe versus Wade may be finally canceled. That would be incredible. And it was some mighty sons and daughters of God primarily that God has used to do such a thing. Now let me give you an example. Gideon is a phenomenal example of someone who filled this kind of role under the old covenant. Do you remember when, like a coward, he was crouching behind the wine press and beating out the wheat to try and get enough grain to make some bread? They were impoverished. They were, uh, they were being oppressed by the Amalekites, by the Midianites, rather. And so, uh, he all of a sudden has this visitation where the angel of the Lord, which I believe was the pre-incarnate Christ, appeared to him. The angel of the Lord said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, if I was Gideon, I probably would have said, you got the wrong man. I'm scared. I don't want any of these Midianites encountering me right now, seeing what I'm doing. I'm hiding behind this wine press. I don't look mighty, and you have assessed me incorrectly. But see, God saw him not as he was, but as he could be. And that's why God sees beyond what you are and sees what you can be. And the whole reason he could refer to this trembling person, Gideon, who said, I'm the least in my father's house, and my father's house is small in Manasseh. How could you use me? The reason that Gideon could qualify was the final statement he made, or the statement he made right before declaring he was a mighty man. He said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The beginning of that statement actually validated his potential to fulfill the latter part of that statement. Because God was with him, he could be a mighty man of valor. God is with you. In fact, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So you're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty woman of valor. Start seeing yourself this way because the same Criteria that was fulfilled for Gideon is fulfilled for you. God is with you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Then there was a second statement the Lord made in Judges chapter 6, verse 14. The Lord said to Gideon after he gave all of his excuses like we all do, God, I'm not qualified. I can't do this. I'm too weak. My past is too bad. The Lord said to Gideon, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent you? So there's two things that made him a mighty man. Number one, God was with him, and number two, God sent him. You may say, well, I'm not a sent person. I haven't been sent by God. Oh, yes, you have. Because Jesus made a blanket statement over all of his disciples, all his believers, and he said, as my Father has sent me, so I send you. You are a God-sent person into that construction site where you work, into that job at Walmart where you're employed, or wherever you may be. You're God-sent. 
And God will orchestrate circumstances and situations so that you can be used in mighty ways by him. And by the way, when you hit a hard place in your life and you really don't feel mighty at all, you feel more weak than you would feel mighty. Listen to what God would pray in your behalf, what the Spirit of God has already prayed in your behalf. Listen to it. This is in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. It's part of a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. However, all of the books in the Bible were not written by men. They were written as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and that means God breathed. So this was not just Paul praying for the Ephesians. This was the Holy Spirit through Paul praying for the whole church that the Father would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. I dare you to lift your hand right now and say, I received that prayer. I receive being strengthened by the might of God in the inner man. That's the born-again part of you. That's the hidden man of the heart. That's the new creation part of you. That part is strong because it's infused with the strength of God. Let me show you what kind of weapons we have. You are the mighty, and the mighty are people who have weapons that are mighty. Let me give you the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5 through 5 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. I prefer the King James Version that says casting down imaginations. You imagine yourself to be a failure. You imagine yourself to be weaker than that temptation buffeting you. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, you've got the knowledge of God in his word. God has declared certain promises, thousands of promises. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If God before you, what can be against you? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. All of these are part of the knowledge that God has imparted to you. And all these imaginations rise in you that try and conquer this knowledge of God but it casts down these arguments against who you are. The, the weapons of your warfare pull down like grappling hooks that are thrown to the top of a huge wall and start pulling those walls down. These, uh, these wonderful revelations of the gifts that God has given you and the weapons that he's empowered you with will pull down the strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a condition in your mind where you set up a pattern of negative thinking. A stronghold is a pattern of negative thoughts that you resort to in certain circumstances. Like you face a certain trial, you face a certain situation, you relapse into the way you normally reacted to it or felt overwhelmed by it. That's a stronghold. You can have a stronghold of fear, a stronghold of depression, a stronghold of lust, 
a stronghold of pride. There's many different kinds of strongholds. And the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of those strongholds. They're not always demonic. They're quite often just things that go on in the carnal mind. See, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. These negative things that go on in your mind, you've got to pull them down. What are your weapons that are so mighty? The blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God, all the gifts of the Spirit, like speaking in tongues, that's a weapon that's mighty through God. But I think one of the most important things is the Word of God, because you can quote the Word and say, it is written. That's how Jesus faced off with the devil. And when you face off with a demonic power coming against your mind, you can say, it is written, greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world. And tear down that stronghold of fear in your own mind, bringing every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. Yes, you have weapons of warfare that are mighty in God. Praise God. Go to the next scripture, one of my favorite. This is where Joel said, prepare for war. And when you look at the insanity going on in the world right now, I can truthfully say to you, prepare for a spiritual assault, a spiritual attack. Demonic forces are making their last play for planet Earth. Because even in the demonic world, they know Jesus is about to come back again. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Well, how do you wake up the mighty men? That means they're asleep. And I would dare to say most sons and daughters of God are asleep to their full potential and the full impact they can have on this world. How do you wake up the mighty men? The latter part of that passage expresses it. Let the weak say. I am strong. I challenge you to do that. I don't care how weak you feel mentally or emotionally. Say, I am strong. I don't care how depressed you are. Say, I have joy. I don't care how anxious you feel. Say, I have peace. It passes understanding. You can counteract all the negativity with the confession that comes out of your mouth. And that is very important. And it works. Now, how are you going to respond to God in gratitude? Let me take you to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. The Shema, the most revered passage of Scripture to a Jewish person, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then the verse that follows the Shema. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. How do you love God with all your might? By pushing yourself beyond the boundaries of what you think is possible for you as a human being in your service of God and going the extra mile. If you and I are commanded by Jesus to go the extra mile for our enemies, how much more should we go the extra mile for our God? And finally, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. And so you've got to love with all your might and live with all your might if you're going to be the mighty. That's what God's called you to be. And I challenge you to lift your voice and say, I am who God says I am. I am one of the mighty. 
and begin your journey into discovering who you are by getting your copy of Who Am I? Dynamic declarations of who you are in Christ. You need to learn it, then you need to live it, and you need to tap into what it awakens in your heart. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.